We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way, and I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 196 weeks into two weeks to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson, alongside the fan favorite, you know him, you love him, somewhere between iconic and psychotic, Lord Marty Foster. Marty Foster, how are you? I'm jolly good, thank you. Really looking forward to uh, the Christmas holidays, bit of time off, um, chilling by the fire, uh, family, friends, all those kind of things. Can't wait. How about you? I'm looking forward to the um, the the break that we're actually going to get here for for about a week or so. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Maybe it'll give me some more time to catch up on some of my reading. I told you some of the subjects I'm going to be delving into, and we went over something in prep that we didn't cover yesterday. Uh, but Bruce and I are going to get to it after the first of the year, uh, and so that's that's going to be something really interesting. I, I don't know what what is it with me. I'm I'm interested in in actually getting further into all of this nastiness that's going on i mean well that's... part of that is is what you and bruce were talking about it is a properly directed addictive nature your addictive nature has been hardwired into research learning getting to know more but it's not really an addictive nature because i have a background in it so it it kind of or maybe why why is it my addictive nature <laughs> because and, i have an addictive uh, nature <laughs> exactly uh, and um if something fascinates you you are more likely to uh pursue it get good at it there was a game when i was a kid called top trumps and there were many decks of of top trumps and i had memorized every single fact and detail about all of the cars um whatever the the deck was about for about 30 packs of these things and my uncle was fascinated by just how much i'd learned about these things and memorized and used to sit there and read out one statistic off the card and i would tell him everything else on that card oh one moment sorry about that where were we uh, you were talking about a card game called Top Trumps, and it made me That's think right. of something. Top Trumps, yes. Yeah, it made me uh, think of and, something. Um, uh, yeah, I saw you reaching there for something. And yes. Because I had that kind of nature where I just crave stuff, it's the same with gaming. Why, as a grown, very elderly man now, can I still play hours and hours and hours of the same computer games? It's because of the dopamine. It's the dopamine dump that I that get from those things um 
And part of the conversation you and Bruce had on the last podcast was about people going into rehab due to drug use and, and so on. Well, in some cases, it's down to addictive natures. So whether it's smoking, drinking, weed or, or whatever, substance abuse can be down to having an addictive nature, but it's more likely down to not producing the right levels of dopamine and those other feel-good hormones and things. And until you are getting the, that happy feeling about your life, for instance, if you've got some way of escaping the, the, the dreariness of life, whether it's because you're living on the streets, haven't got enough money, unrequited love, whatever, you know, disappointing careers, whatever it is that is making you unhappy, um, until that changes, you are highly unlikely to give up that addiction because that addiction is giving you those feel-good things. You know, the brain works on sugar. It's, it works on blood sugars, glucose. Yes. Yeah, this is why um, sugar, sugary foods and drinks and stuff are called comfort foods. Exactly, they they make you feel they make you feel happy for a very short time until you check the mirror out and you're the size of a house. So it's um, it it was just something from that conversation you had you had with Bruce that I think needed expanding upon because I I think not intentionally but the wrong impression may have been given that you know. People, people's depression is either um, clinical, in which case they are not producing the necessary hormones that that make them happy, so therefore they become depressed, or it's situational. Um, in the case of, of clinical depression, and I'm no expert on this, this is just my observation, I would say, yes, they can be treated with those antidepressant drugs, but even them become a danger because you get strung out on those things. The other side of it, the situational depression that forces people, I say forces, encourages people into bad habits. It's only if your situation changes, if someone can change that situation for you or give you the, the necessary advice and support to change that situation. So, you know, we we can be we can be hard and to a certain extent unfeeling about people who've made the choice of using narcotics, barbiturates, and and other forms of chemical mood enhancers. Shall we say we can be harsh about them, but at the end of the day, they're there for other reasons, not necessarily because of addictive natures. And I think we evolved addictive natures or the ability to hyper-focus on something to get shit done. So the people who got what needed to be done done were more successful, had more food, had more security, had better accommodation and, and so on throughout you know ancient history. And therefore, we have evolved this, this kind of addictive nature. Uh, and it's actually a positive tool rather than a negative one. That's my humble opinion anyway, which you are entitled to. 
I am entitled to it. Yes, um, I uh, for you know for lack of uh, and I'm I'm not going to criticize your standpoint because I believe you're you're correct in a lot of respects. However, I look at it from a you know a criminal standpoint and the nature of the justice system that refuses to do anything about it and resocialize people. It works both ways. So yes, you do have these problems that you're talking about with an addictive personality or, or you know addictive natures and and things like that. And I agree with you. But the problem is is that we don't have a willingness to want to put together the resocialization programs that are necessary and stick to them that will resocialize them into society and turn them into you know modern but citizens there's no money in either of our no. societies no, to do well, that because there it's is. all been given away well yeah it's but the, the prop pissed up the wall well yeah but they have dumped untold billions of dollars into these legalization and, and decriminalization programs and none into resocialization well okay you you probably wouldn't be able to um, hit as many um, down and outs people in the last chance saloon as you'd like to. But if it was a case of, right, we're going to pick you up off the ground, we are going to put you into accommodation, which is going to be yours eventually as long as you stay clean. But the second you fall off that wagon, you're out of there, you're back on the streets. But there's no money to do that on an individual basis in, in society anymore. There has been in the past, but it's not been spent that way. It's not been spent actually giving people what they really needed to lift them out of that situation. And that might even be completely relocation, yeah. taking them somewhere else. Well, because you need to take them Francisco. away from those. Yeah. They they sent them all to San Francisco because the no, weather's they, slightly warmer. No, they well, yeah, they did that, but they took them away from San Francisco when Xi Jinping showed up in into town. They cleaned up all the cities and you know yeah, all the downtown. But I bet they're all they're all back by now. More than likely, those yeah. That, those that haven't overdosed in the meantime. That is true. You mentioned a game, a card game called Top Trumps. I bet you've never heard of this one. This is an interesting one, uh, and it's nearest I can tell. It's no longer available. I've tried to find it again just to have another one, just to have it. But this is a game called Nightmare Chess. No, I've not <clears throat> seen that. No, you've probably not seen this. I, I throat's a little scratchy this afternoon. But um, this is actually you. You like to play chess. This is a little bit different. Uh, this actually kind of throws this throws a, a wrench into the works, if you will. There's these are decks of cards that go along with it. And each time you move a piece, uh, or before you move a piece, rather, it's been a long time since I played this, you actually draw a card. Each player draws a card, and it's, it's completely random. And you get things like this. Move two of your pieces of the same kind simultaneously. Either or both may capture. That could be an interesting one. Yeah. That completely changes the rules. Or this one. What happens when the game is over? What happens to the other player? They're in checkmate, right? Yeah. Well, if you happen to have one of these cards that you can play, then this is what you can do. Play this card when your king is in check or even checkmate by any piece except a queen. The threatening piece changes sides and becomes one of yours. Replace it with a similar or captured piece of your own. It may not move on this turn. That could change the entire game. It can. You see, the thing about chess it, in terms of learning strategy, it only teaches you one part of strategy, which is thinking ahead. Yes. And well, two parts, two things and ant anticipating your opponent's move. It doesn't count for the variables that there are in real life. So when you when you get a chess grandmaster, that chess grandmaster couldn't necessarily become a general in charge of uh, a theater of war, for instance, because of the variables that that general uh, and his forces 
or her forces are facing. So chess teaches you so much, but it looks like that game throws in in the curveballs, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it it just, it changes the game. Yeah, well, well, whenever I get myself over there, I'll be sure and bring a chessboard with me. I have an interesting chessboard that I guarantee you've never seen before, too. Was it used by Benjamin Franklin in the bath? No, it was not. Uh, I take it you saw that scene, yes? Yes, I've seen that scene. I, I was a bit disappointed. Now, why don't you tell all the listeners what I got you for Christmas? You haven't done that yet. Well, he made me, he was so excited about basically giving an Englishman a very well made film history of the Declaration of Independence and all of the things involved in the War of Independence, uh, particularly centered around the character of John Adams, who I have to say uh, is a very interesting character, a man who stood for the law and uh once the constitution was written in which he had a a hand um stuck to the constitution uh, in particular it was the the fact that at the at the massachusetts or the boston massacre boston massacre yes if you're wondering he successfully the defended the british soldiers that opened up on the crowd and the the points of the defense come across very clearly in the film that the crowd was using the young children throwing rocks, ice, snowballs as a provocation to kick something off. And that resonates beautifully straight back into modern day Gaza, doesn't it? Northern Ireland. It does, yeah. Where rebels, terrorists, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter, decide to use children to force soldiers into action so that they can respond. So, yeah, it's really good. And, of course, Benjamin Franklin um, liked to play chess in the bath when he was staying at the Palace of Versailles. But I was rather disappointed. You told me, uh, you know, oh, what a womanizer Benjamin Franklin was. But that woman was older than Methuselah. She um, was, yes. yeah. Uh, it wasn't a it wasn't a great look for her sat there with a her pale makeup on because they used to all use yeah, white face yeah. to cover up pox marks. Yeah, very interesting though. Very good series. John Adams, well worth a watch, even if you are a stalwart British patriot. One of the things you pointed out to me about that series was the um, uh, you pointed it out very early on was the subliminal message about. Uh, vaccination, which is uh, quite a hot topic given the last three years. Yeah. In in that series, Abigail, which is Adam's wife, she's left on her own to look after the kids. She's gone out to their farm to get away from the city, which, of course, will be the centre of any fighting. And she decides she's got to get her kids and herself inoculated, not vaccinated, against smallpox. And it makes me laugh. Now, Bearing in mind, this this came out, you, you did tell me when it was made. Uh, 2008 is when it was produced. 2008. So it's a bit earlier than the whole, let's all get vaccinated, roll your sleeve up and have some mRNA. Well, um, we were in the, narrative. we were doing, well, yeah, the mRNA thing, but we were just on the uh, the verge of the, uh, the H1N1 swine flu thing, if you recall that. Ah, and... So the method of inoculation in those days was your doctor would travel round with a smallpox victim on his his little horse-drawn cart, pop a pustule 
cut your arm and then insert some of the uh, infected pus into your bloodstream. And he, he warned Abigail. He said it could cause fever, some other symptoms. There may be a rash, but it could even cause death. So there, there was this very strong warning, but she still decided it was the right thing to do. Thankfully, because I, I was invested in the Adams family, not the ones who took the fingers, but this Adams family, and the daughter uh, did fall into full smallpox and looked like she was about to die, but she in fact survived. So I was quite happy about that, you know. Um, yeah, it, it, I I greatly appreciate you sending me something about the traitorous rebellion of the 13 colonies. Thank you very much, Nyat, but I am enjoying it in, in all honesty. The only thing that was bad about it was the fact that the Constitution was written in France. And I think we can both say that that was just an awful shame, wasn't it? It was finalized in France. It was finalized, However, yeah. it was drafted um, Jeff before it got Jefferson had already penned it yeah. and, and done very well while they were still in the 13 colonies before going to France. And Franklin, being a, a, a man of science, lecherous old git as well, said thought that Jefferson's first draft smacked too much of the pulpit. So, you know, just shows you there's there's not bad in everybody. That is true. Yeah. Right. Um, On to something. You, you talked about uh, strategy. I suppose we shall start there. Iran has unveiled a, uh, a new air-launched ballistic missile. Is In your opinion, is this true or is this a cardboard tube? Air-launched ballistic missile. Air-launched ballistic missile. They've showcased, uh, let me see, their strides. Uh, yeah, they say that this is one of their uh, newest pieces of revolutionary military technology. All right. Um, don't know. No, because for a start, that's a, I think it's a MiG-29 that it's on. Uh, that is a Russian aircraft, yes. It's definitely a MiG, um, and it's a, an early MiG. It's not one of the new ones, um, like the, well, the NATO identification name would be the Fulcrum, but that's not, that is an old aircraft. That missile is not a ballistic missile. It's an air-to-air -air missile, the one that they're showing in that clip. So I would say that's a complete load of bollocks. Oh, well, I guess I'm not supposed to be afraid then. No, don't don't be afraid. The lights are on. But <laughs> yes, there the, is quite a bit of glare coming through. I've got it. For yeah. anybody wondering what that banging noise is, if you're the listener, if you can hear it, I have a construction worker outside of my window putting a window frame on. So, well, the way that the natural light is interacting with your green screen, you actually look like a Terminator who's I got do, bits yes. of its skin missing. So, yes, it, I do. yeah. So, but one of the first things I wrote on my single page of notes today is always expect people to act according to their nature unless they are being watched. And you can bet that somewhere in Iran, someone is working on a way of making a ballistic missile. So they will be doing it, but whether they've had any success or not, I don't know. But certainly that article and that caption just smelled bad from a number of aspects. Right. Well, we also had some activity in the uh, uh, somewhere in the uh, in the Gulf this week. The uh, the Houthis have attacked a Norwegian flagged uh, tanker. Did you catch that? Your maritime organization responded. Uh, we responded with you. The Israelis responded and the French shot down the drone that attacked the ship. All right. Uh, no, I didn't hear any of that, and you'd have thought that had been on the news, wouldn't you? You'd thought that would have uh, made... Think, yeah. Yeah. 
but they're, they're playing that down. And not least of all, because who was talking about tourism? Was it you and Ned? We're Could talking about Greece the other day. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, the UAE is ticking over with its oil, right? They've got, it, it, it's, it's almost a socialist kind of uh, setup in that the, the profits from its sale of crude make sure that it's around about 1 million Emiratis in a country of 7.2 million are well looked after. And they've invested that money into tourism. Now, the Maktoum family in uh, Dubai, the lead, you know, the, the royal family of Dubai, have gone bust at least three times that I can recall and were bailed out by the Al Nyans. How, we just out of curiosity, how, how, do, if you're someone with that kind of um, capital, shall we say, how do you go bust? How do you do that? Is it just the malinvestment? As it, right. So, for the Emirate of Dubai, there's um, sovereign wealth funds, which we use to invest in infrastructure, all kinds of projects, the armed forces, the police, uh, and so on. Those have bankrupted themselves a number of times to the point where the actual Maktoum family started using their own money. So... Um, Burj Dubai, as it was first called, which is the world's tallest building, is now called the Burj Khalifa, so the, the Tower of Khalifa. And Khalifa is the now-deceased sheikh of Abu Dhabi, which is actually the capital of the Emirates, because the Al-Nayan family, he was Sheikh Khalifa Al-Nayan, bailed out the Maktoums, to my knowledge, three times. So that world's biggest tower isn't called the Burj Dubai, it's called the Burj Khalifa. So getting back to the point, you were talking about Greece, a country that relies heavily on tourism. Dubai in particular has set its heart on being a world transport hub, with Dubai being the busiest airport in the world and lots and lots of tourism. There's water parks, there's malls, there's ski slopes or indoor ski um, resorts. There's all of that shopping, all of those fine hotels, the world's only seven-star hotel, if you can Golf believe. Golf courses. Golf courses, yeah. Race tracks. Um, yachting, made boating. Out, made out, yeah, yachting. All of all of those things, massive marinas, um, They've invested an awful lot of money in it, so they don't want news of terrorism and the rebels right on their border. So they'll have called in a favour from um, worldwide media outlets, including the news, and that story will not have got out very far. And of course, uh, we've got COP28 going on right now in Dubai, and we don't know the details of this. I'm going to be talking a little bit about this tomorrow with uh, with Ned. But nations, quote, strike a deal. They don't tell anybody what that deal is to transition away from fossil fuels by uh, it was 200 countries were, were involved in this. If we're going to transfer away from fossil fuels, which is insane in and of itself, that's going to leave them out in the cold. Well, we are their biggest customer. What they're doing is making other people transition away from fossil fuels they they won't be doing it themselves they're not going to stop driving their gas guzzlers they love their cars you know i i knew a guy who was a he was a sergeant 
in Tupara. And when he went out to the UAE to work as a military contract officer, so training their armed forces, went to Sharjah, which is another smaller emirate. Also within the UAE, it is the only dry emirate because the Sharjah royal family borrowed a lot of money from Saudi to build their mosque, uh, to build a grand grand mosque and some other things. And part of the stipulations were you will not have any bars selling alcohol in your hotels. So is that the big concrete yeah. one that I've seen before? The the Grand there's, Mosque. There's, that, it's there's, massive. Well, the, there's the Grand Mosque in Abu Dhabi, which is huge. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. But Sharjah also wanted to compete. But I, I digress. Sharjah has a car market and it's secondhand cars. So this guy who was a sergeant, which is you know a good achievement, but not exactly the world's most well-paid rank. He used to drive to work in a five-year-old Rolls-Royce because they they have all these cars that you can buy there at this second-hand car market. Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Maseratis. Yeah, that's I used to I used to have to drive round that every day. On to from that picture you're looking at at the moment to the left-hand side is massive. the main yeah is the main road into Abu Dhabi to the right-hand side of it a couple of the establishments, the military establishments that I used to have to go and visit were on the other side. But yeah, um, they're not going to stop using their gas guzzlers. They're not going to stop using fossil fuel. Um, To be fair to them, they have already sorted out their water problem. They've got massive desalination plants all the way around the coast. Their water and sewage treatment plants work really well. They don't pollute the Gulf because they love their fish. They see they every Thursday at military officers' messes, they have a massive fish buffet because they still firmly believe that uh, seafood is an aphrodisiac. So before they go home for the weekend to be a nuisance to their wives, and that's one man with up to four wives each. Um, they have a, a, a lot of fish, a lot of oysters, lobster, you know. And in the Gulf, there is really, really good fishing. Oh, so yeah, they, sure. they, they haven't polluted their waters uh, of the Persian Gulf and the Indian Ocean part around Oman and Yemen. So, um, yeah, where were we going with that? Yeah, COP28. COP28, yes. Um, th- did you have anything else you wanted to say on that? Yeah, because- I'm, I'm just, just yeah, to round on. it off, COP28... A bunch of unelected people in the main and the ones that are elected are not um, acting on any kind of mandate given to them by their people, um, are deciding what we're going to drive, how we're going to heat our homes, how we're going to produce our electricity, and they need to stop. Um, This follows on very quickly to um, because we know that Bill Gates attended COP28. Are we being unfair to them in the same way that I'm willing to understand why addicts and, you know, bums on the street have wound up where they are um, and have a certain amount of empathy uh, or at least there for the grace of God go I kind of attitude about them? When you look at Gates, he's been incredibly rich all of his life. He was never poor. He then became a billionaire 
And people who surround him have always told him that everything he says is the best thing since sliced bread. He's got used to the idea of, um, of uh, you know, I have the best ideas. I'm, I'm not arrogant or I'm not bossy. I just have better ideas than you. That's, that's the way the man thinks about himself. It's narcissistic. And straight at the top of my little page here, it says, I always expect people to act according to their nature. Now, if his nature is he thinks he's right about everything, then it doesn't matter how crazy the idea is and how unpopular it is to the rest of us. This disconnected from society individual is going to push his ideas forward. And the other, I use the term loosely, elites that are listening to him at COP28 will be nodding their heads and going, yeah, 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 that's a great idea. But it's not a great idea. And COP... 29 or whatever the next you know imagine the next one's going to be 29 um somehow we should all lobby our governments to say do not attend do not pay any attention whatever the consequences of course the consequences will be that there will be trade restrictions and sanctions put on non-attending non-complying countries and it's blackmail uh, it's coercion, it's extortion. Whichever way you want to look at it, do as we say or we'll put our foot on your jugular is what these people at COP say. So they can f*** off. And not too far from that because the uh, uh, the acorn doesn't fall too far from the tree. The World Economic Forum, Klaus and his kind are at it again. They have a new white paper out that was published yesterday. You're going to love this one. Davos and their outfit, uh, one of their uh, outfits that they're in partnership with called McKinsey and Company say that they need to, uh, well, I've actually got the, the front of the paper right here. It says the role of public private philanthropic partnerships in driving climate and nature transitions. Now, what are they calling for in this? In this paper, the World Economic Forum, this is the, you know, the uh, synopsis of it. In this paper, the World Economic Forum is giving to amplify Earth's action, which is GAEA initiative, in partnership with McKinsey and Company, promotes public-private philanthropic collaborations and 4P models to address climate and nature challenges. These models require diverse stakeholders. <laughs> There's that, yeah, two buzzwords right there. And the yeah. alignment of goals to make use of their unique strength. Uh, I'm assuming that when they say alignment of goals, they're referring to the uh, United Nations Agenda 2030, 17 Sustainable Development Goals. I I'm sure if you look at those, they'll probably line up almost perfectly. Now, they also say in here, the world needs up to, uh, this is a quote from the paper, the world needs up to $3.5 trillion dollars of additional investments each year to reach net zero and restore nature, uh, according to this report. Also, according to the uh, the white paper, uh, they say that uh, private organizations should surrender their autonomy to governments in exchange for an endless amount of credit and a backstop of protection should their businesses fail in the open market. Oh, yeah. That's all you can say is, oh. Well, th in general, been, I wasn't well, I wasn't making a poke at you. I'm I'm just saying in general, no, that's no, really it, all you can say. This this reminds me, or it stems straight back to that big project in Saudi, the line plus the other two huge centres of population accommodation that they're planning and building. Um, and there's this phrase that's entered um, common use, which it, which is rewilding. And the idea is, in from from what I can see, you know, if if you if you look at it cynically, they're expecting that 
the elite survive this, their families survive it and go on, and they've got safe places to live in while the rest of the planet gets turned back into Jurassic Park. That's what they're planning. That's what they want. They want that kind of entertainment. And world government, we're going to give you all the credit you need as long as you do everything else we tell you. It's not freedom. It is tyranny. It's in You're being enslaved by this. Well, it's greed. It's the greed of the politicians and heads of state that political are signing up. Yeah, they're, they're political greed. They're, they're, they're signing away your rights so that they've got more spending power to do their crazy projects, and it will end badly. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if somewhere, probably in Wuhan, someone's looking at extracting the DNA from a mosquito held in um, amber uh, with the blood uh, of a Tyrannosaurus Rex still in its proboscis uh, to create some form of huge dinosaur that will be roaming this newly rewilded planet while all the elite live in very secure uh, centres of accommodation. That sounds crazy, but... Not really. Not really. What else are they, what else are they doing it for? Well, Why we're are they find... Well, we're going to find out because in 30 days we've got the uh, the annual meeting coming up in Davos, so we're going to be uh, we're going to be covering that. So we've got a, a few weeks before that kicks off, and this year the theme of their meeting, as Klaus has said, there's going to be about rebuilding trust. Well, as far oh, as yeah. I'm concerned, well, I, Klaus, I, I you, saw, can't get, you can't get back something you've never had. So good luck. I, I saw one of the uh, speakers at the, the World Economic Forum. It was a woman saying, "Isn't it great?" We, the elite, have built up trust and can share ideas in this environment and so on. The bad thing is that the world's people trust their elite less. And that's absolutely true. So they are aware that we don't trust them, we don't like them, but they are still going ahead with these half-assed, crazy plans um, in our name. So they must be stopped somehow. They simply Elon, must be stopped. Yeah, Elon Musk, he uh, he was on a Twitter Spaces thing the other day, and he was talking openly with about 100,000 people uh, or so about how the uh, the World Economic Forum, they have too much power. Would you like for me to play the clips? A few minutes, but uh, I think the points he made were, were yeah, valid. Not? Well, I'm certainly um, happy to have a debate uh, with uh, Klaus Schwab uh, and, or, or others. Um, you know, I... I think you guys may have been following what's going on in Davos uh, more than than I have, or and certainly more than the vast majority of people have. I think most people don't even know that there is a conference in Davos or the, or the World Economic Forum, um, and uh, I've, I've 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 only seen snippets. Um, but you know, some of the snippets are concerning, and you know, I don't I don't think we should have a sort of an unelected quasi-governmental organization deciding our future. Uh, that's I mean, who said who, who made them the boss. I, I, don't, I mean, do, do people even know that they're doing this? Um, like, they're, I'm, I'm not okay with some organization, you know, in, uh, that I don't vote for controlling, you know, my destiny or that of other people. Um, so, and, and I don't know if they're necessarily fully controlling, but they certainly are influencing things. And, uh, you know, and it's, you know, I, I just don't. I think an unelected world government is is not a good idea. 
Well, on that point, CJ, I'll go to you right after for a question, then Suleyman. But on that point, how much control, you kind of change it, whether control or influence? Because on one side, you've got people that say, you know, they control the world. Every decision is, is kind of influenced or, 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 you know, they They're make that decision behind the, the world. On the, other, on, the other, on the other side, there's the, the people making the argument that they're trying to do the right thing and things are being taken out of proportion. It's all a conspiracy. Where do you think on that spectrum, um, in your opinion, uh, we stand? Well, I mean, the, the original premise of the World Economic Forum was to have um, a, a, a some kind of forum where, where there would be interaction between government leaders and um, commercial leaders, sort of heads of corporations and governments, and, and th that, that there would be some forum for them to talk um, and like that original premise, I think is is not a bad one um, because right now you've got you've got the UN, which, but that's just that's just government to government, um, and you've got you know a bunch of sort of individual situations where uh, you know commercial leaders will will meet with with government people one on one, but there's the you know the the, the sort of the good part of the World Economic Forum is like. It's like it's probably good to have some dialogue between uh, commercial leaders and government leaders uh, internationally. That's that's the that's I think the, the the positive side, and that's originally how I heard about the World Economic Forum. And and I was I was invited to speak there many years ago, uh, which uh, I, I was just too busy working, and I was like, well, I, I can't really go spend five days in Switzerland. I I have I have work to do in America, um, so. Uh, and and they, and they really wanted me to, to come talk there, but also pay them twenty thousand dollars. And I'm like, uh, that doesn't make sense. So I declined the invitation. Um, and um, now now it just it does seem that since that since inception, perhaps this organization has gained a bit too much power um, and and a bit too much influence. Um, and and I think it probably you know it should have less power and influence, is my opinion. That's very interesting for, for a number of reasons, because um, my earlier question about are we being unfair to billionaires like Gates, Soros, and so on, I've said this before, if you reach a certain level of wealth, um, most of us just go, right, that's it, I'm going to enjoy the rest of my life, I'll give some money to charity, uh, someone else can decide how it's spent, I'm going to buy the yacht, buy the big house, buy the sea have a swimming pool and just enjoy life. But that addictive nature we were talking about earlier on, it's funny how all these things tie up. When you achieve that level of wealth, it's usually down to a drive that normal people don't have. They are extremely driven to, to work and to make money. And that's what gives them that dopamine payoff that they're after. So, they get to their level of wealth. Um, they might try and take a step back from business and commerce and all the rest of it for a while, but then they find they can't get that feeling again, so they carry on doing it. They carry on doing whatever they want to do that gives them that dopamine payoff. There is always a payoff of some kind. And I think with Musk, and he's a very high-functioning uh, person on the autistic spectrum. I think he's admitted that himself. He has diagnosed autism. And the way he would, the way I feel he, he would in, encounter and how he would feel about the World Economic Forum is, no, you don't get to tell me what I should do. 
he's very independent in that respect. But the other thing to consider is Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, several others are all renowned eugenicists. They would see someone like Musk's autism as a defect and he doesn't make it. So perhaps that's what has created his opposite and outspoken um, stance against the World Economic Forum is that he realises that they look down on him and he would be one of those removed. Again, I, I, I don't know. I can't really get my head into the kind of mindset of people that wealthy because they are incredibly powerful uh, based on human nature. It, you know, everyone's got a price, so to speak. So they can pretty much get people to do whatever they want if they throw enough money at it. So it's difficult to get into the mindset of someone that rich, but I've got a feeling uh, that he sees the World Economic Forum as the threat that it is, and he's only speaking out against it as much as he dares. That is entirely possible, but it, it gets to a point, I think, to your, to your um, point there about uh, having money, it, it gets to a point where it doesn't become about money for them. I don't believe it's about money for them it's anymore. It's never been about the money. It's no. never been, it's it's that dopamine payoff. Yeah. It's how it's, good they feel the about power. themselves. Yeah. Well, I don't think yeah. they feel good about themselves at all. I, I truly for, believe that. For a short space of the time after every deal is signed, after every contract is won, after the the next set of three zeros is added to their total wealth, they feel good. But that doesn't last long. It never does. So they're always looking for something else. And and that is their disease. That is the disease that they suffer. The thing that I wrote saying, are we being unfair to billionaires? They're some sick. Some of them. Some of them. <laughs> some of them. They're, but they, they're, to some degree, they're sick. They have a psychological problem. But unfortunately, we're having to suffer the effects. Now, if a junkie goes and fills their vein with smack, they die. So they feel the effect. Their families feel the effect. Wider society doesn't necessarily feel the effect. But with every bad idea that a billionaire has and gets put across in COP28 or the WEF Davos annual get-together does affect how we live our lives. Indeed, it does. And we will uh, start to wind down here. I thought we would cover the uh, the last topic here. I know that uh, due to time constraints, we've got some things going on this afternoon, so we're going to have to end here in a few minutes. Uh, but I thought this would be interesting to discuss because there's a new film out on Netflix. If you, I don't know if you've heard about it or not, but everybody's raving about it. It's about uh, a total grid collapse. And when I say a total grid collapse, I mean even the satellites in orbit go down. Uh, I, I don't know, it, but it's produced by the Obamas. So that should tell you, I think, all you need to know about it. it I think it's the fault of all the white people or something. I, I don't know. I think that's the, the message they were going for. But anyhow, <laughs> this was put out by your uh, national security, uh, uh, your joint committee on the national security strategy just the other day. Uh, it says the UK could be brought to a halt at any moment by a cyber attack, according to a new report. Uh, they say that large swathes of critical infrastructure are vulnerable to ransomware attacks. Yeah, because we bought all our chips from China. Yes. We bought so all we. our so PLCs that are inside our control panels from China. So, yes, of course, we're wide open. We've, we have covered this before. In fact, it's, it's really spooky because last night I was sat here in Man Cave and the lights flickered. They flickered for just a split second. 
I thought that's strange because normally if I've got any kind of movement in in terms of potential difference between my supply socket to the shed outside the house and here it would trip the uh, residual current detector and I would lose all power out here but it didn't they just flick it I went indoors to ask did you experience that and then I found out that yes they had experienced it it happened indoors as well and two other local areas were actually in a complete blackout so clearly one of the substations nearby had gone down and then as the uninterrupted power supply kicked in, you had this little surge, caused the flicker, but everyone else's power came on. But some areas were indeed completely blacked out and they remained so for about an hour. So it is happening. It wasn't particularly bad weather. I imagine it was a minor fault that caused the substation to go down, but those minor faults could easily be created with, well, the ransomware would be one thing. It's where they're saying, we're going to shut you off unless you do this, but then they have to some some way reveal their hand. They could do it without you even knowing that they'd made an attack. They could make it just look like an equipment failure rather than uh, a deliberate shutdown. So it's, it is worrying, but the message is stop buying shit from China. It is definitely worrying. And I, I spoke a little bit about this yesterday. I think you, you heard me talking about it uh, as far as the, uh, the eastern part of the United States and what the grid is reliant upon. We get our backup parts from, guess where? China. China, yeah. China. And it takes three years to make yes. the new ones. Yes. And because and, uh, I used to work in manufacturing as well, I've done many things. Some things have a very long lead time because the factory where they're made uh, has to retool. If it stops making that thing for a while, it could take three years, six months, however long to retool. And there's no guarantee when you actually get it that it's actually going to work in the first place. So you might have to, you know, order two or three of them or something to, to make sure. One of the biggest problems that the Chinese uh, or excuse me, not the Chinese, the Russians are having at the moment is, you know, Russia is is big on natural gas, right? So yeah. they, they do a lot of natural gas mining. Well, what do you need in order to mine natural gas? You need gas turbines, right, to move it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, since the U.S. has left because of this Russia war, Ukraine thing with sanctions and whatnot, they've left and they've taken all the, the gas turbines with them, which leaves them turning to China for them. Well, the problem is, is the Chinese are manufacturing based on copies that they got from us, just whatever they can come up with, but they don't work. Well, they need to have a word with Rolls Royce, don't they? I believe they do. Yeah. So they the, need to talk to yeah. one of their friends over there, I'm sure. Yeah. You and Bruce mentioned a new film with um the world's scariest toughest man in it uh chuck norris yes yeah chuck, chuck norris chuck and norris. i i have another i have another film before you get to that should i, should I play the trailer to this other film have you seen this yeah I, this I, other one? I hadn't i had kind of heard about it but i don't know where from it may have been from you it may have just been any one of the the little snippets that uh enter my brain during the course of the last week so yes please Right. This is a new film that is due out in the spring of this year. This is called uh, Civil War. States have seceded. The United States Army ramps up activity. The White House issued warnings to the Western forces as well as the Florida Alliance. The three-term president assures the uprising will be dealt with swiftly. Let me know if you want to try anything on. I'm just aware there's like a pretty huge civil war going on all across America. We just try to stay out. 
with what we see on the news, seems like it's for the best. Citizens of America, the so-called Western forces of Texas and California have suffered a very great defeat at the hands of the United States military. Mr. President, do you regret the use of airstrikes against American citizens? We're moving to D.C. today. We need to go down there. They shoot journalists on sight in the Capitol. Every instinct in me says this is death. What if? Every time I survived the war song, I thought I was sending a warning home. Don't do this. But here we are. There's some kind of misunderstanding here. What? Well, you're American, okay? Okay. What kind of American are you? You don't know? <laughs> the Western forces will reach the White House on July 4th. Oh, my God. Get in the car! Get in the car! gonna hang back. I'm not hanging back. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. God bless America. Yawn. Well, uh, yeah, it, it, it is a yawn, but that is a yawn. You might as well just say it's produced by Beijing Studios. <laughs> well, it, it it's another fear mongering, mind manipulating, thought control piece of shit entertainment. It's got all the action in it, and uh, but a while back you had the day after tomorrow. Which was all about a climate, climate disaster. Change. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, you've had film after film after film, which just ramp up that level of subconscious fear in the audience. Now, a drama without any kind of jeopardy for somebody in the film would be quite boring. Yeah, there would be a romantic comedy instead, wouldn't it? That that's that's all you're left with. So there has to be some level of jeopardy, some level of risk, uh, some danger that you're facing. But it's how that danger is combated and defeated. But in this case, it's who is defeating the danger. They're looking at Texas and California as the enemy and Washington as the good guy. Right. Well, that's a load of shit and we know it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's more black hats, a phrase you used yesterday, in Washington than there were at the gunfight at the OK Corral or any other shit-kicking Western. So, yeah, it's a, it's a piece of fear porn. That's what that is. But it's also manipulative in that the hero of the piece will be the eastern state government that beats the West. Yes, sure. So instead of right. north versus south, sorry, yeah. Now, instead of north need, versus south, it's, it's east versus west. Yeah, well, what we need is we just need Chuck Norris to go in and just clean house on everybody is what we need. Yeah, the, uh, the only reason I want to talk about this 
is that Bruce immediately called him. And I'm sorry, Bruce, you're not here to defend yourself. Not that you could against me for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, but uh, he just he just heard that. Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he is an old man. Of course he is. But what happened in my martial arts journey is when I was young, strong, flexible and dynamic, I used different martial arts. I've studied a number of different martial arts. And this isn't all about me. I'm not trying to big myself up here. But I've found that now I'm older, there are only certain parts of it that still work for me. And um, I'm sure because Chuck has kept up his flexibility and kept fit with the the best um, nutritionists, the best diet, plenty of time to exercise. He, he doesn't have to spend eight hours a day at a computer desk typing away. He can spend his whole day working on his fitness and keeping and himself good. well. He looks yeah. good. I, I'll pull and, the and, picture and if you didn't see it. Yeah, he looks good. He, you know, uh, I dare say he's not super rich, but he's rich. And so he might as well stay healthy and vibrant and enjoy his money and success. So he's not too old to do a film because I still hope to be in films in the near future when I've got a bit more time. But I found that a bit unfair to say, oh, well, he's he's just too old. But the other thing that I found slightly inaccurate in my experience, should I say, is what you were saying about Steven Seagal. His chosen martial art is... is Aikido or Akejutsu. And the thing about Aikido is when you see it on a video, it does look like absolute sycophants throwing themselves all over the place, being hardly touched by their master, the person who's actually doing the technique. Now, the truth of it is, if you're doing full contact Taekwondo, Muay Thai, Karate, you can wear a gum shield. You can wear shin and instep pads. You can wear a head guard. You can even wear the full um, chest pads that people in Taekwondo, uh, full contact Taekwondo wear. But when you're doing joint manipulation and uh, causing people to throw themselves in what we call, well, basically a sacrifice throw, you can't put pads around your joints you can't protect your wrist joints, your finger joints, your elbow, your shoulder against those techniques. Aikido and Akejutsu do work. And speaking as a man who has fought off 12 military policemen using only Aikido techniques, because I knew if I punched or kicked any of them, I would be in a whole world of even more trouble. I was already deeply in trouble but I would be in even more trouble if I'd have left a mark on any of them. So every time one of the Keystone cops tried to grab me, I'd take control of their wrist, I'd take control of their elbow, they would wind up on the floor, and then I'd deal with the next one. Aikido does work, and I just wanted to say that on air so that we weren't misrepresenting a very worthwhile form of martial art to study. You know, I remember you telling that story on a podcast once with another individual that we had on at the time, and you did take on 12 of them, and I think they had a, a, a van load of six more on the way to deal with. Well, no, I, I dealt with the first six, then they called another van of six, but the one who got me, because I was on my toes, running away, just outside 
what used to be the Kentucky Fried Chicken shop <laughs> in Queen Street in Portsmouth. He was off duty, saw the Keystone Cops behind me chasing me, and he just clotheslined me. I was just running past him, and he clotheslined me. That's when they managed to get the cuffs oh, on I my see. wrists and yeah. my ankles. Mm. Well, anyway, there's Chuck, uh, current picture. He was doing some of the, uh, the chore he was choreographing some of the scenes there. And uh, like I said, he, he looks pretty good. He's, he's kept with it. Well, that also, what you've got to remember is in stage combat, which I have studied and I've even taught other actors, uh, me and my friend uh, and my instructor, my martial arts instructor, have um, you know rented ourselves out to other production teams to choreograph fights for stage shows and a bit of film work. The person receiving the technique is the one who sells the technique who makes it look convincing it's the way in which you can just appear to have been polaxed or throw yourself to the floor as though you've just been kicked in the head or crumple up as if you've just been kicked in the groin it's the person who's receiving the technique who makes that action sequence look convincing not the person delivering it I'm curious, uh, did you consult on this particular scene here where you've got all of those people laying on the ground and then you're just walking away? Is this what the, is this kind of reminiscent of the story I, you were telling? That is reminiscent. I can remember situations like that, but no, I didn't consult on this particular movie. Right. Well, that will do it for us for today. Do you have any final words before you get away for the week? No, I'm all done. I'm, uh, I'm hoping we get another one in before Christmas, will we? We will, yes. And I will get with you uh, probably this weekend just by phone or, or text or something, and I'll see if we can set something up. Just uh, myself, you and Ned, and we can sit around and we can burn a Yule log one evening or something. Outstanding. That yeah. reminds me, I've got I've got more wood that I need to saw and chop to make sure we're well stocked for the holidays. Despite the fact that my woodman is coming next week with another ton, but I've already emptied the the wood store ready for that to go into. So yeah, it's it's good exercise. I have to swap arms. Fortunately, I'm ambidextrous and can saw or chop with either hand. Very good, my friend. We'll see you next week. Thank you for being here today. Thank you to all the listeners. Everyone have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday.